Welcome to Pharmacy View Technology and Pharmacy Business podcast series, where we provide regular interviews with pharmacists and key industry people within the Australian pharmacy and associated industry. In each podcast, we look to discuss aspects of pharmacy operation and how technology is improving or interacting with each guest's current role or pharmacy-related business. I'm your host, Scott Carpenter, and today, along with co-hosts Andrew Romeo and Anthony Saponsas from Arian Technologies, our guest is Victorian pharmacist Tim Shelton to talk about his e-commerce consulting business, Machete Systems. So welcome, Tim, Anthony and Andrew, and uh, it's great to chat with you all today. And uh, Tim's from Machete Systems, and we're uh, really keen to have a chat with you today about what you're doing in uh, your new area of expertise, uh, given that you've made a decision to uh, step back from pharmacy. So uh, Tim, talk to us and tell us a bit about yourself. Hey, uh, Scott, thanks very much for having me uh, on today. So yeah, as you as you mentioned, I'm a, a pharmacist by trade. Uh, have spent 25 years as a retail pharmacist. Uh, Scott, you and I have done many projects together, and over the years, have had a lot of lot of uh, good learnings. But about five years ago, decided to move to the e-commerce world. Definitely only part time to start with, but then I don't know. I really enjoyed myself. I really enjoyed the psychology and the the data driven world of e-commerce. Really suits my kind of personality, and found myself really thriving in that space. Ended up sort of quitting pharmacy altogether, doing some locums here and there for my old uh, pharmacies that I used to own. But uh, yeah, more or less just have a, a small share in a small country pharmacy now uh, as a as a link with the industry, but pretty much working full-time in e-commerce now. A lot, a lot of pharmacy brands that we're working for. And so we're still selling pharmacy products, but now always in the e-commerce space rather than bricks and mortar, which as everybody knows has become very topical in the last few months. It's a different landscape at the moment. That's for sure. Absolutely. And uh, Tim, I guess from my perspective, as I've been semi-locked down where I am here in Victoria, you know, watching with interest and talking to quite a few pharmacists and pharmacist businesses around the countryside. And certainly one of the things that I've noticed with the, I guess, huge increase in online ordering, it's really forced the Australian logistics industry to, to lift its game. And I guess that's a nice lead-in then as to what you're up to with the uh, the machete systems and, and the work you're doing with the Amazon uh, group. Yeah, you're right about the, the rapid uh, learning curve our logistics operators are having to go through at the moment. I think it's caught everyone with their uh, digital pants down, if I might coin a phrase. <laughs> they weren't ready for e-commerce the way it's been. Like Australia's been a bit of a slow sleeper in e-commerce. Certainly been some adoption, but not widespread like we've seen in other jurisdictions. I was lucky enough to live overseas while we're doing e-commerce. One of the beauties of e-commerce, as everybody understands, is you can work from anywhere. So I took my family overseas. We lived in America for six months, and then we lived in Europe for another six months back in 2017. And you know, it really became apparent to me that the whole logistics paradigm over there, thanks to the influence of Amazon and other players, has really had to ramp so that you know, two-day, one-day delivery anywhere in continental USA is is commonplace and expected now. That would be remarkable in Australia, but in America, it would only be the minimum point of entry for any new player. Amazon particularly tends to be leading the field with their drone deliveries and Uber deliveries and electric trucks and everything they're doing. So they're down to about half an hour to two hours to some deliveries now in metropolitan areas. And it's just really phenomenal, cool. isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's remarkable to see. Yes. We, I would be at a, uh, at a barbecue, say, in Texas, in Austin, and uh, one of my buddies would be like, oh, you know, we need this particular thing. He'd just jump on Amazon and expect it there that afternoon. 
sort of sort of while the barbecue was still going on there'd be a, a knock at the door and you know we, we just wouldn't be able to imagine that in australia but it is coming and amazon as you mentioned scott is the area of my expertise not necessarily because the other e-commerce channels aren't important it's just that amazon pretty much is half the e-commerce world in america and pretty much every other jurisdiction they play in except for asia so if you learn amazon you've pretty much got half your battle solved and then you've got everybody else so yeah, Amazon are brutal to their logistics partners. They're extremely demanding and you can watch them play UPS versus FedEx versus USPS games in America and just watch those prices and delivery times and delivery promises come down. And they're already doing the same sort of thing here in Australia. So for old Aussie Post and Star Trek and the like have really had to lift their game very quickly, not only because of Amazon, but because of COVID as well. Yeah, I'd say probably more COVID in the Australian market. Amazon doesn't seem to have taken off too far here yet no. but i know it's an emerging thing slowly over time i'm going on it more and more hmm. and i think that's what we're seeing play out you know a few years ago in the overseas canada is a great proxy if you want to look at canada similar to australia from the perspective it's a very diverse geographically discrete population you've got large population centers with hundreds of miles of empty space between them and you know a population of around 35 million but maybe a 28 million english-speaking population so not all that different to australia they kicked off Amazon 2012 over there and they've already grown to a $4 billion website in eight years. So much bigger than any other website in Canada as far as e-commerce goes now. I think Apple's number two at $2 billion. So yeah, definitely mm-hmm. coming in Australia. We did half a billion dollars here last year and we'll do a billion dollars this year in Amazon. So you know, growing at about 100%, it's, it's quite phenomenal. Yep. Yeah, they can start bringing some of their logistics and improvements from America here. It'd be amazing. Yeah, they're starting to. Some of the programs that we have access to as sellers in America are not here in Australia, but we're noticing the adoption curve is much quicker. So we had to wait a couple of years for new features to roll out in America, but we're only waiting a few months and they're being rolled out in Australia. So yeah, they're definitely bringing those American and European lessons to bear. Cool. So Tim, um, I know you've uh, forwarded on to me an article which, uh, once that gets published, will include the link in this podcast. But uh, one of the things in that that you referred to is the the Amazon partnerships being 1P or 3P. And Mm. is this an opportunity for pharmacy groups or for individual pharmacies? Absolutely. So... If I, I suppose for the benefit of people listening, I should explain 1P versus 3P. And if I ever get into jargon, guys, just stop me and ask me to explain. It's one of those dangers of spending too long in an industry. You become jargonized. But eff- effectively, if you think of 1P as traditional manufacturer, wholesaler. So in other words, you're a manufacturer of a, of a product or a brand and you ship it to a wholesaler and then they own ship it to customers much like Symbion or Sigma or API or one of those kinds of arrangements, or they will ship it directly to the consumer. So Amazon definitely operates in that space. So the the brand and the manufacturer will ship in product. Amazon will then take ownership of that item and ship it directly to the consumer, so the B2C world. And there's another option which is called, and that's 1P, so another option is called 3P, which is where you uh, ship in product to Amazon and take advantage of that logistics you mentioned, Scott, where they've got all those really tight delivery timeframes and great customer service experience, but you still own the product and it's more of a consignment model and that um, 3P is what that's called. That's where the opportunity for pharmacy brands, pharmacy groups, and actually individual pharmacies operates because you're able to then open up Amazon as effectively your proxy e-com store 
And the beauty of that is if you went and opened your own e-com store, you'd have a lot of trouble getting traffic to that store because you'd have to spend a bunch on advertising and you'd have to try and attract customers and, you know, how are you going to do that in a very crowded space? But if you go and start up your e-com store on Amazon, it's, you know, definitely the traffic's already there. You just got to learn how to tap into it. So that's the opportunity. And, and I guess, Tim, that was one of the other things we were going to discuss was the, we used the example this morning when we were talking offline, you know, if, if we're up for a set of headphones or, or a microphone for a podcast, you know, mm. we might go on to the Amazon website and search microphones or, uh, or headsets. And the reality is that they're going to actually put up to us probably the, the, the most searched products or the most common products. And that may not necessarily be the, the brand products. And how, how does that work from, from your perspective? So that's a good question and something that particularly pharmacy brand owners don't realise and, and that applies probably to all brand owners is that on Amazon, people don't start with a brand in their search. So they'll type in something like headphones under $200 or headphones for podcasting or just headphones with microphone or you know some variation of that kind of search. But they rarely, in fact, uh, research has shown only 30% of the time do they include a brand in that search. So what Amazon does is it shows you what's available, but it doesn't care whether or not you're a leading brand or just a, a white label seller or, or you know, in, in my case, I actually went and had my own product manufactured in China and I was able to compete against very large brands due to that fact that I was taking advantage of the algorithm showing the best performing product, not the best performing brand. And that's a real uh, sort of game changer when it comes to retail landscape because Traditional bricks and mortar retailers, everyone will understand, is all about shelf position and getting shown before the customer. And usually only the big boys can afford to play there. And if you're an independent little brand, you've got no chance of getting an end cap or, or high, high shelf space. Whereas when it comes to Amazon, you've got every chance in the world. It's a real level of playing field kind of arrangement. And uh, that's something that people have to learn. So, so Tim, Amazon just wants to deliver the yeah. best product to the consumer. Yeah, well, the Amazon algorithm is all... From. You've got to think it's an algorithmically run company. So they deliver what performs. So whatever the customer likes, whatever the customer reviews and whatever the customer is happy with at the best price is what they'll serve next time that, that search term runs in. They couldn't care less if it's a top, you know, Sennheiser brand or Philips or, you know, some dodgy brand from, you know, backwater nowhere that um, you know, no one has ever heard before. As long as the customer is happy and that, uh, that, that sort of customer service loop is completed, that's the brand that will be dominating on Amazon, which is quite different to normal bricks and mortar. Yep. So, Tim, on that perspective, how do you find, uh, to say we're in the pharmacy space, obviously taking particular mm. products that exist and putting them on Amazon is one model, but obviously yes. producing your own products and creating your own ingredients, whatever it might be, could mm. be a model for some compounding pharmacies, for example, that could think about this sort of thing. Absolutely, Andrew. And that's that's probably the biggest opportunity, mainly because if you're going to take product that's on your shelf, unless you've got really, really good cost of goods, you're going to struggle to make mm -hmm. the Amazon model work for you because of the fulfillment costs, margins, mm -hmm. all that sort of thing. So unless you've got great margin and perhaps cosmetics or perhaps uh, you know some high value items might be possible to do this, but generally you're going to go into Amazon and find everybody's got a wholesale price dialed in and you're going to struggle to compete just you know and certainly 
you know, in our consultancy, we see a lot of brands that we're, we're helping and we see little operators, uh, small chemists that have got that brand put up in competition on the same listing, but it is difficult for them to compete on a price when you're the manufacturer coming in at your wholesale pricing. So, um, yeah, but, but if you're going to take your brand, one, a brand that you own, that you've designed or, or a product, mm-hmm. as you said, even compounded or something that you're importing directly for your own pharmacy use, then, yeah, massive opportunity for you to, to get uh, millions of new customers overnight. It's a different model. It's a different way to think rather than just selling what people are, other people's mm. products. Yeah, Amazon has mm. opened up to the eyes to people to create and sell because of that, the logistics side. So you can mm. deliver. Mm. And, that, and that's probably just, just to hark back to that 1P versus 3P <laughs> model. Typically, your bigger brands, your, uh, your multinational pharma brands are all going down the 1P model because it's easy. You don't have to think. You just ship your product into Amazon and that's the last time you hear of it. But we liken it to the, the metaphor we like to tell people is think of an iPhone versus a digital SLR camera. So 1P is like an iPhone. It's a point and shoot. Anyone can use it. You can. It's good for most situations. But if you've got experience and technique and ability to use a digital SLR, you're going to outperform an iPhone all day long if you know what you're doing. So 3P is like the digital SLR where you've got every tool, every trick of the book, every back-end kind of API connection available to you that you don't get as a 1P seller. So typically what happens is these 3P sellers that know what they're doing can easily outsell the 1P larger brands because of the way, as I explained earlier, the algorithm works. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Mm. That's definitely a different way of thinking for pharmacists out there just to see how they can position themselves in this new economy. Because like I think you alluded to a little bit earlier, when you're building an e-com platform, if you go and Mm. build an e-com store, put it online with other people's products, there are so many other pharmacies that are considering doing this now. Mm. And how do you market that? How are you going to get people's attention? I think that's probably the biggest thing people should be asking themselves right now, not how do I get online? Because I think if you're asking if that every question, pharmacy probably the wrong goes question. online with an e-commerce store mm. and they all share 80% of the same product range, what's the differentiation yeah. for each store to get yeah, there is customers? Not. Yeah. And, and when you're up against players like uh, Chem Warehouse, Amazon, mm-hmm. You know all of these larger online pharmacy offerings. What, what what's your strategy? How are you going to outspend these guys to get mm. to get eyeballs? And so we always say, you know, if you design the best listing in the world, but nobody hears it, is it really a listing? You know that that old uh, sort of uh, yeah. cliche. But effectively, without traffic, any idea you have on the internet is dead. So, and I think the opportunity for pharmacies. If you have access to a brand at a good price that perhaps is exclusive to you, then Amazon is a real opportunity for you, uh, particularly in that 3P model. You can certainly use the 1P model, but you do lack the ability to differentiate yourself. Think, think of the iPhone versus the SLR camera. So, so Tim, if I put that in a slightly different perspective, if, if we talked about the example of the, the pharmacies in uh, East Gippsland in Victoria where you still do a little bit of work every now and again, if they wanted to trade their business online that's an e-commerce platform, but if they've got a if they've got a specific product or a service or a good that they want to provide, Amazon's their option. Sure. So obviously, as a pharmacy owner in East Gippsland, you've got two options: you can go and build yourself a Shopify store or a Weebly store or one of these kinds of do-it-yourself websites where you can literally put your catalog up there, uh, and that's great. And there's nothing wrong with that. My question still remains: How are you going to drive traffic? How are you going to get eyeballs to see your listings, to see your web page? Without spending a fortune on advertising and pretty much, you know, put your put your website into negative profit um, from that perspective. Yeah. The other option is that you use a marketplace like Amazon or eBay is another good example, 
where you can get your catalog up there where the traffic already is. So the difference would be like designing a great little market stall, but putting it in the backwater where no one can find you or putting it mm-hmm. in the Burke Street Mall where everybody's walking by. Yeah, in, in which case then you'd be more looking at specific products or ranges as opposed to a total store range. Uh, absolutely. You can do a total store range, but again, getting back to that digital SLR versus iPhone analogy, you do a total store range, you're not going to have the wherewithal and the bandwidth to optimize all 400 SKUs. And so they're all just going to be very undifferentiated. Whereas if you take a small range of a brand that you love, you can really dial in on those uh, algorithms and really get that thing humming. So and on that note, then talk, talk to me about the algorithms again. So if I, if I talk about a, a pharmacy business owner, decides to to take this option and get a, a select product range available through Amazon, what would they need to do apart from obviously contact you? <laughs> sure. So typically we work for brands, not necessarily pharmacy business owners. However, that's not to say we couldn't. It's just that our work up until now has been to take brands on Amazon, namely because they're struggling to know what to do. And I guess you'd say a pharmacy business owner or a pharmacy chain for that matter would struggle in the same way. Um, it's a bit like the first time you sit down with that digital SLR camera, unless someone really knows what they're doing and can sort of show you what to do, you're going to struggle to get the optimised benefits. Uh, so I would suggest if people are really interested in heading down this path, there's great education available uh, on online. There are you know only about 40,000 videos to teach you how <laughs> to take advantage of Amazon in the current yes. marketplace. Um, a lot of them are disreputable, so obviously be careful. But uh, you know, there's some great Australian offerings. There's some good sellers in Australia that have gone educational. You know, and I can certainly uh, point people in that right direction if they wanted to start a conversation with us. If it turns out they're a good fit for our company, we'd obviously be delighted to help them as well. Yeah. Oh, look, again, I know as I interact with a few across Australia, there's some um, great entrepreneurs out there that are looking at their own products and ranges and services. So oh, I guess that's yeah. where this might have might have headed in some direction. As Abs- opposed- absolutely, anyone who owns their own brand is a great fit for us because we we're we're brand owners in our own turn. So the the founding partners of Machete Systems are all brand owners and have all sold on Amazon for years. So we we understand what it means to love your brand and and take it onto Amazon. And and like people might be asking, oh, why don't you do eBay and why don't you do this and why don't you do that? And I'm like, well, we definitely could and maybe we should. It's just that when Amazon takes 50% of the digital spend pretty much anywhere it goes, it's kind of the low-hanging fruit you want to get right first. Yeah. And again, just following on the conversation that we had offline this morning, you, you've made a great statement that's really resonated with me. You know, I, I used to uh, have young children, but they're actually young adults now, actually probably more, not so young adults. But your statement was, ask a 20-year-old what they think life was like before Uber, um, and they'll look at you with a far-off expression and, and, and wonder what a cab rank was ever for kind of thing. And I certainly mm-hmm. remember a few late nights, early mornings in Melbourne many years ago where, you know, at the end of the day or end of the night, you had to find a cab rank. But, but really, that's, that's the significance of life change and where this fits, isn't it? Well, that's right. People have just become used to the digital convenience factor. So, you know, my kids, or my eldest is 22, and, uh, you know, he, he fails to understand why would you stand in a line with like 50 other people at night wondering if you'll ever get, you know, a cab to come. And you just can't fathom how you can't have all that information at your fingertips. Um, and it really struck me that, you know, in my lifetime, I'm only you know, just sub 50, that's changed so much. So it's, it's quite remarkable, the rapid pace change, I suppose. So, so is that then the, the analogy in terms of the future market for pharmacy? So again, it's, 
certainly within Australia, the the the, the baby boomer, post baby boomer, the retirees is is a significant chunk of the Australian pharmacy market. But if pharmacy in its current form doesn't somehow embrace this level of digital technology, they they run the risk of becoming obsolete to the newer markets. The trouble is, Scott. While ever pharmacy doesn't occupy the digital space, you leave that seat open for someone else to come play in. So yeah, I definitely agree. And this is sort of something that drove me into e-commerce five years ago was my fear that if we didn't do something in e-commerce, then e-commerce would happen without us anyway, much like what the taxi industry was you know, assassinated by the Uber industry because they, they reacted too slow. Uber didn't need to happen to taxis. It's just because they didn't really occupy that digital space that was happening. And it's the same for pharmacy. And, and I'm afraid Amazon is a, is a major culprit when it comes to chasing after our dollars in pharmacy. Amazon's very much got their sights on pharmacy as an offering. They really understand that their choice range and logistics capabilities are a great fit for pharmacy. So, you know, make no mistake, they've definitely got their eye on pharmacy as an, as an area they want to get into as soon as the regulatory framework allows such a thing, much like Coles and Woolies, but awesome. the difference yeah. with Amazon is they can deliver. Yeah, and, and look, I think that's a good lead into that. the next point then is that, you know, Andrew and Anthony have, have had a bit of experience in the uh, pharmacy industry as well now, and, and there's been probably for the last 10 years, maybe even a bit longer, a real push or desire to, to have access to analytics in pharmacy. One of the things that uh, you highlighted to me was the fact that Amazon actually also have analytics and what customers are looking for but couldn't find. Uh, mm. And that, that was really scary for me because we, you know, we see great retail businesses stocked with, with product and range, but, but we never really kind of capture what the customer didn't get when they came in. Yeah. Imagine if you could design your pharmacy. Let's everybody go back and pretend you're not a pharmacy owner at this point. Imagine if you could design your pharmacy based on data that you know a company was telling you of exactly what customers are going to want and exactly what they're going to want to pay for it, and exactly how they're going to search for it, exactly what pathway and what, what corridors they're going to take to get to that product. And imagine if you could design your pharmacy from the ground, like sort of reverse engineer it in a way, because what we tend to do is go and build a pharmacy, stock it full of stuff, as you say, and kind of hope that we've got it right. The new data age is, is just all backwards. So now we say, all right, let's have a look at what customers are looking for. Let's have a look at what they're buying. And more importantly, let's have a look at what they're looking for and not finding. All that information is now being made available by Amazon and other e-com players. So yeah, it's pretty powerful much, stuff. How much could you cut down your range and not oh. buy as many gifts in the yeah. you've seen every pharmacy? There's a gift section with just yep. stuff piled up there. Yeah, with a stock tone of 0.2 or something. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, look, I mean, and that's the thing, and it's such powerful information. And as a retailer, like it struck me a, a few years ago when I first cottoned onto this concept that, you know, I, I've got a, at that time, I owned a large pharmacy in the country and we had like, you know, 50 staff. And I had no idea what my customers were looking for. I had no idea what they were buying apart from what was selling through the till. I had no idea what they were buying elsewhere. I had no idea what they were coming into the store, walking around and walking out without buying. None of that was known to me. And it struck me for the first time when I started selling on Amazon that all of that information was now available, including what other brands they were buying elsewhere. And it's like, wow, that's cool as a retailer. I love it. Yeah, you know what to focus on, where to drive mm. your efforts. Mm. Mm. Now, just touching back to what we mentioned earlier, if a brand or a pharmacy can make their own products, mm. what sort of products are we talking about? Is that like getting an existing thing and white labeling and making it? Anthony's pharmacy brand one, or is it trying to create your own thing from scratch? Both options are completely valid. So, and I have friends who've done exactly these things. So 
and we're actually consulting with some pharmacists at the moment that are doing this exact same thing. So we we can go down the white label pathway and then for the folks at home, you know, obviously you take something that's existing, you go to a manufacturer either here or overseas, you get your sort of slant on it. And that's another thing that I'm talking of that data, Amazon will tell you what people hate about what they're buying too. So you can actually pull down data on what needs to be improved, what what isn't working, why well, we should have this or we should have that. All of that data is available to the brand owner. So that's a great opportunity to white label. Or if you've identified a gap in the market, in other words, there's people wanting something new for cold sores, but they're not happy with any of the current options and you have got a great cold sore formulation. You know, there's a great sort of uh, private label, you know, do from scratch kind of offer, as you were saying, Anthony. Okay. Otherwise, it could be like my version of a panadol. Yeah, you could do a your version of a, of a paracetamol, or but typically you'd want to put a little twist on it. You know, obviously, yep. unless you're going to compete on price, and that's obviously a, a losing strategy in the long run. Mm-hmm. Come come to market with something that's a little different. And so, if you're sitting back unique. there, you know, in your pharmacy, thinking I've always had a great idea for a great product and, a, and an adaptation of something that's currently available, maybe now it's time to look at that because it's now possible and easy. Well, yep. relatively compared to what it used to be. It's easy, easier to get to a market, basically. So yeah, you know, with, yeah, the, with the data you're talking about, I think it's mm. it's a market research place. So it's yeah, getting an understanding of what customers need, want, desire, like anything in this world. Mm. And yeah, if the data is there, it is a place that you can trawl through and yeah. get a better understanding. I think you mentioned it so you can see what people are buying and what problems they have with those products and that could be yep. what you could improve on. It's uh, all laid so, there, which is mm. just crazy, isn't it? Because yeah, it is. Where, where have you been able to do that before in the last, you know, History of retail, basically. Mm, ever. Mm, never. Yeah, never been able to. No. Unless you watch every single customer walk into your store. Yeah. what they pick up and pull back on the shelf. And like big farmers have been spending fortunes on, you know, focus groups and after purchase surveys and all just to find out this exact information because they want to know what the customer's thinking. Well, Amazon's telling you. So that's why it's such a great marketplace. And this is not sort of original thought from me, but, you know, Jeff Bezos in his 2018 letter to shareholders for Amazon effectively highlighted this trend that in the last 20 years, uh, third-party data-driven sellers have totally outstripped Amazon themselves when it comes to selling on retail. Because once you've got access to all of those questions answered, what are customers looking for? What are they hating about my product? What do they hate about the competitors? What do they love about my product? What do they love about the competitors? Armed with all of that data, it's any wonder that you've gone and made a success of your business on Amazon because you've you've got better data and better data equals better sales. Yeah. And just to read it, so the main difference for a of a retail or pharmacy store would be for the first party versus third party is mm. you ship it to Amazon and they yep. take care of the shipping, logistics and distribution and pricing for you. And everything. So And everything. Yeah. So they actually yep. put the listing up for you, they take the photos, they do the title, the bullets, the description, the digital yep. landscape is all written by them. And mm-hmm. they very much follow a formula and they're not the best at it, I've got to be honest. Um, yeah, because yeah, they're doing mass generic. Yeah. They just get something in, put it up, and sells, and they're just yeah. hoping that it'll get found eventually. Yeah, look, that third party they is care. they don't care who wins. Yeah. They don't care whether you win or I win or Andrew wins or Scott wins. They don't care mm-hmm. who wins the auction for that niche. They just yeah. want to make as many sales as possible by keeping yeah, as algorithm many. Yeah, exactly. Drives everything. Yeah, and a happy customer drives their, the algorithm. That's it. Yeah, even in their warehouse, the algorithm drives the placement of the products in the warehouse. So. Everything. Their packers have mm. similar products that are bought next, bought together next to yep. each other to save yep. them having to make that trip to another part of the warehouse. They've got it all worked out down to the millisecond. Yeah. And then the th- mm. third party is it's the same deal as you running your own store, except for yep. you get to control everything on Amazon. Yep. 
like you would if you had your own store. So you have to worry about exactly. the logistics and management and everything. It's yeah. just you get the benefit of having traffic. Not the logistics, well. not the logistics. So there is a program. Oh, sorry, I, I should probably uh, stop and point out there are two third-party options. One is you do the shipping yourself, so you could do the logistics, mm-hmm. and that's perfectly valid if you've got a large, heavy, bulky item or, or something mm-hmm. like Like if you were shipping home healthcare products like walking frames and things like that, then maybe you doing the logistics is the better option. Maybe not. In a lot of cases, Amazon will outprice you even on those large items. I know in um, in America now they're shipping uh, container homes on Amazon, cheaper oh, wow. cheaper than the manufacturer can ship to a customer. So they're like for seventy five the they get. Yeah, that's it. So look, carry-on. maybe not, and it's worth checking out if you've got large items. But typically for a small pharmacy item, you'd take advantage of three P FBA program. The FBA stands for fulfillment by Amazon. And what okay. that basically means is you'll ship in an outer or a gross or, you know, a couple of boxes of whatever it is you're trying to sell on Amazon. And, yes, you'll set up your store and do all of that sort of thing, but Amazon will take care of the shipping. Amazon will take care of the customer logistics. And so you've got the advantage of Amazon but the control of your own store. So it's the best of both yeah. worlds. For some retail pharmacies, I would say that's probably a smart choice mm. simply because in the discussions we've had in the past, it's getting online is very different to then changing your internal store processes and fulfilling those orders in a timely manner to get them to your customers. It's And it's absolutely punishing on Amazon because they're obsessed with the customer satisfaction flywheel. If you miss a shipment deadline, they'll shut your account down. They'll just say, oh, you're not, you're not, we don't want to partner with you anymore. So you've built all of this, yep. or your inventory has to be taken back at your cost. You know, it's just a disaster. So yeah, if you don't have the logistics and we don't recommend people try it themselves unless they're really good at it, then you're better off letting Amazon do it. Yeah, because it's a different beast to running a normal pharmacy, having the online orders come in and having people mm. dedicated to deal with those as they come in and ship them out timely Yeah, and manage that process. Because then you've got stock you have to worry about from two different places being sold and being updated and going in and out of the shop all day. Yeah, imagine it's just another layer of headache and they're already mm. busy pharmacists. I, I just think it's fraught with danger if you're going to go down that path unless you've really got your ducks in a row. So, Tim, yep. just based on this conversation, if I was mm. listening in, a pharmacist out there listening into this conversation, just uh, you're opening up out my eyes to e-com and Amazon. Where would I start? Mm. So, what what would be my first step if I was to actually want to look into this? I guess you're supposed. To, I, I would suggest that you begin with the end in mind. So, what do you want to be? Do you want to be a wholesaler selling the same kind of ranges that you're shopping that you're selling in your shop right now? Mm-hmm. Or do you want to develop your own brand and sell that on Amazon? Because they're very different pathways. Yes. So one one is sort of a broad wholesale, large skew count, sort of mm-hmm. large skew catalog. The other one is a very tight niche focus. And what you need to learn to do is depending on which of those kind of two pathways you choose. So that way, the okay. first thing is decide, begin with the end in mind. What are you going to do? Are you building your own brand or are you just going to be a wholesaler? And there are chemists in Australia that have done this very well. So they may only have, I think there's a couple that I could mention that won't on this podcast, have got seven or eight outlets in Sydney. Yes. But they're really doing well on Amazon because they've gone with that broad skew range approach. They don't own any of the brands, but they're reselling other people's brands and doing quite well. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so that's an option. Probably not the option that I would take if I'm sitting at home listening to this because they're already there. They're good. And you're a long way behind the eight ball and you've got no real way to differentiate yourself apart on price. Yeah, it's all so, it's a price conversation. That's it. Yeah. Yes. And unless you've got great access to great product at great price, then, you know, mm-hmm. one, one P is not an option for you because Amazon's going to give you a wholesale price, which is probably going to be less than what you can buy it for anyway. Okay. And, and three P is probably not an option because there's other great sellers out there already doing it. 
unless, as I said, unless you've got access to great product at a great price and, and people can do their own research by simply going onto Amazon, mm. typing in the product you're thinking of selling and having a look what's going on. It's really, mm. as I said, the information is laid bare right in front of you. Yes. <laughs> it's not hard to find, is it? It's all it is not hard to Check find. out the reviews as well. Yeah, check out the reviews. You can, do all this, about them. you can do all this research without any yeah. training because it's self-intuitive. Mm. You can just read it. Mm. My uh, my 15-year-old could do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on that on that front of creating your own product, that's mm. probably where the interesting component of this is, and where the higher margin might play. Absolutely. Um, with, that's again, once again, the research piece. But what are some of the steps that you might advise someone to look down? Is that niching mm. side? What does that look like? So this is where I'd get back to that uh, comment I made before about being forty thousand different educational type offerings on Amazon, but you really need to rethink the way you do retail when you come to an e-commerce like Amazon. You have to say, where's the market? Where's the traffic? Where's the fast flowing river? Because that's where I want to dip into, not the backwater where there's nobody. Like, you know, you can find the greatest product in the world that solves some amazing thing, but only five people a month are looking for that solution. You're never going to sell it because there's just no traffic there. So we always start with traffic. So we learn to find where the traffic is on Amazon and Amazon makes all of that information public to a degree. They do okay. obfuscate some of it, but they, they'll tell you where the markets are. They'll tell you what's being underserviced. You just got to go and do some learning and find out if the particular idea you've got in your head has got a market attached to it. And then once it's got a market attached to it, then you start looking at your competition and say, all right, well, are these guys just so good? I'll never knock them off. They're so cheap. I can never compete on price. Are they so, you know, well done that there's just no room for me? Or actually, no, they're really terrible. They've got terrible listings, really bad keywords. This is a great opportunity because I can come in at a great price, take take over their business, and you know, within a few months, be on page one and, and off to the bank. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So you could start with an idea or you could start just by jumping on and researching and finding a market. So there's two options there. And finding a yeah, niche. Either, either way works. So you either validate your idea with the market or start yeah. with the market and then come up with ideas that match. Yeah. So it's, both approaches work. So And, and we do both in our, in our line of work. We'll actually uh, consult with a brand who maybe wants to go to America. Mm-hmm. They've got about 40 SKUs in their brand list. We'll go through their SKU list and tell them where the market is gappy. And because they've already got brands, we, we can't start with the market and go back to an idea. They've already got them. And we'll just tell them where that, where that brand's going to fit and what their chances of success in each niche. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Mm. That's cool. And, and sometimes it's very dis- surprising. And this is something that I think people need to uh, realise is that just because it sells well in bricks and mortar, it doesn't necessarily translate to good sales on Amazon and vice versa. Something that's a bit of an also-ran on your shelves uh, can really take off on Amazon, and there's there's still a lot of conjecture as to why that might be, but yeah, it's it's not uncommon to see that. So, so Tim, in terms of the future with Amazon, do, do you see their model changing or morphing again? As far as pharmacy goes, Scott. Oh, I think just in general now, like mm. yeah, if we if we say that bricks and mortar was once the place to be, and and now it's potentially not, at some point in time, the Amazon model may need morphing itself to to cater to the next generation. Yeah, well, Jeff Bezos himself, the CEO of Amazon, uh, boldly predicted that in 20 years, Amazon won't be a thing. I don't know what he meant by that. I think he means it'll be so unrecognisable in 20 years that it will be hard to remember what Amazon's like today. So even the people at the top of Amazon predicting that Amazon will have to pivot and change and because, you know, the new generation is going to come out with a new 
set of expectations and uh, in order to meet those customers amazon will have to change so definitely but yeah I'd, I'd also be interested to see what they do with pharmacy and that's been on everyone's sort of back burner for a while because in america as you know they've uh, gone ahead and put it just the whole foods network most people believe that was a pharmacy play because uh, it gave them a pharmacy license in all 50 states yeah. so they've now rolled out their pill pack with their um webster packing it's not webster packing but it's sachet packing arrangements so you know now as an amazon customer in america you can upload your prescription to amazon and they deliver a webster pack the next day along with your washing detergent and your digital headphones it's just crazy it's a one-stop shop it is yeah. becoming yeah yeah i think one of the future things to probably start thinking about, like you know, you're saying you have to focus your product page and figure out keywords and all that would be the voice search through Alexa. Yeah. I think yeah. that's where they're hedging their bets for the future of the industry. The old conversational e-commerce, they're calling it. So, yeah, that's that's becoming more and more of a thing. At this stage, I don't see massive uptick in getting those badges, like the Amazon's Choice badge links you directly to Alexa. We're not noticing that that's, you know, groundbreaking. It's certainly an uptick, but it's not groundbreaking. But I think watch this space. It's going to become more and more important. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah they've rolled out the dedicated buttons in America. You can order off just a little button. Yeah, the, entry. the little dash buttons are crazy, aren't they? Mm-hmm. I saw them when I was in America. But it was just interesting watching the fabric of society in America and Amazon. If I was and, – and like people didn't know that I was an Amazon seller, so this wasn't – sort of conversation tailored at me, but we'd be sitting around at a golf game, you know, with a couple of buddies. And if Amazon wasn't mentioned five times in the 18 holes, just in general conversation, I'd be amazed because it's just, it's so much part of their thinking now. Yeah. And that's that's kind of where it got me interested in being, being part of it. And yeah, so- if people want to read about Amazon and what their design philosophies are and what where they're going as a, as a company, there's a fantastic book that I read a few years ago called The Everything Store. And it's uh, basically the life story of Jeff Bezos and Amazon. And I I just think if anyone's got any interest, and it's a great business book in its own right, if people like reading business books, but I thought that was very instructive. And I've certainly seen their behavior through the eyes of that book in in real life now. Yeah, so for any pharmacist or retailer, it's definitely something to keep on your horizon and monitor as part of your digital strategy, I guess, Scott. That's it, yeah. So, um, Tim, that's been a great chat today, and I think we're going to have to get you back on again in a couple of months' time and Love uh, to. just see what's, see what's changed again. Yeah, but, um, yeah that's there... right, because in a couple of months, everything will have changed on e-commerce. Changed again, yeah. <laughs> um, is, is there any last questions, guys? Oh, that covers it for me. Uh, just uh, the the everything store. Is that was the book name? Is that what it's yeah, the everything yeah. store. The everything yeah. store. I, I failed to remember yeah. the uh, the author. If you give yeah. me a second, I'll be able. Oh, to... You'll be able to find it. No problem. Just on Amazon. Amazon and and yeah. <laughs> uh, oddly enough, it is sold on Amazon. So yeah. Uh, oddly <laughs> yeah so, so yeah, but basically, they're, they're just a give a spoiler away, they set out to be the everything store. And it was an yeah. idea that one of Jeff Bezos's, uh, Brad Stone was the author. He's a leading Wall Street journalist. So yeah, it, Jeff Bezos got the idea of one of his mentors back when he was an investment banker that wouldn't it be great to design a store in the world where every barcode was scannable. And and that's pretty much how Amazon started. Yeah. Okay. Makes mm-hmm. sense. Started with books mm-hmm. and it's a wealth in there, clearly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now, but it's good fun. I love it. I've never had a dull day you know, working with Amazon, and uh, they're never short of a surprise. And you know, it's 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 a great. It's been a great career move for me. It's been. I imagine over the past five years, there's been plenty of change, and that will continue to evolve. I would imagine changing yeah. algorithm, changing everything over the period. Yeah, of time, I would imagine. Mm. Yeah, it's a crazy setup. Like people are, mm. oh, you know, there's this master guy behind the the scenes 
running the algorithm. It's just not the case. There's actually nobody who understands the entire algorithm at Amazon anymore. And I've had that from Amazon employees. It's everyone's working on their section. The algorithm does what it does and it's machine learning. So it's now, it's now doing its own thing. It's now learning how to meet our needs better and no one is driving that process. So occasionally it breaks and we get some crazy results. Like we're, we're tracking along for a particular product for a particular keyword and then all of a sudden, bang, it's gone. And it's not not showing at all, and we have, and that, they rely on sellers like us to notify them. The algorithm's done something weird, so it's yeah. it's, it's a wild west. <laughs> One issue with AI and learn, machine mm. learning is you never know what it's actually doing. Uh, no, <laughs> yes, no, it's it's a uh, it's an interesting uh, interesting world we live in for sure, particularly mm-hmm. in the Definitely. pharmacy space. And as Scott Knight, you and I were talking earlier, pharmacy is a bit traditional, a little bit conservative, mm-hmm. and perhaps a little bit more exposed than most industries. And certainly, we see this on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Pharmacy brands and pharmacy products are having a hard time of it because they're just conservative and slow and they don't change quick. I mean, we still use faxes, for goodness sakes, in pharmacy. Yes, I mean, what I was thinking about that last week. <laughs> what other industry uses faxes? I can't think of one. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. All right, Tim, thanks very much for your time today. That's been great to chat. And it's been, uh, been we good. Look f- yeah, we look forward to catching up again in the future with you. So Absolutely, well. yeah. yeah. Thanks, thanks, thanks very Tim. much. Bye. Bye. Cheers.